Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Today we are with Graham Thompson. How are you doing, Graham? Not too bad, bro. Are you? Yeah. Normally, interview these podcasts by saying I'm with a friend. Of I don't really like each other. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all right. Planning on mate. Yeah, trying to just yeah. keep going. That's what you need to do, isn't it? Yeah, keep plodding on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I brought you on today because we were having a discussion a few of us about laziness and I thought who can I, who can I interview who's the laziest man I've ever met and you just came straight to mind <laughs> yeah well yeah if you ask my mother she'd probably agree with you <laughs> but that sounds a bit ironic because you've just had to take a couple of weeks off work uh, to have a bit of a rest isn't yeah. it so <laughs> how does somebody Who's lazy? Find himself so tired. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work doing that, mate. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, like, so often in, especially in ministry, but just in in life, into it, we the stuff we want to do, and the stuff we don't want to do, and we can be so focused on doing the stuff that we want to do, and avoiding the stuff we don't want to do. That it, it it makes it worse because everything gets done at the last minute. Everything gets um, left to 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 see what happens, kind of thing. Because you don't you don't want to do the hard stuff. Um, you know, you put it off, you procrastinate, and therefore that builds more pressure. And you more because you don't develop good rhythms. You're you're just running around like headless chicken. And I think. Like, basically, for the last 11 years in ministry, I've just been running around like headless chicken, trying to finish stuff off, um, using the excuse that I work better under pressure. So just <laughs> avoid avoid doing what I, I don't want to do, you know, until until I literally have to do it. And, you know, there is some truth in that. I do work better with a deadline and stuff. Um, but I think so many of us are like that um, because we fall into the trap of believing that what we really need is me time rather than, you know, Jesus being enough. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we, we, we were having a chat the other day, there was about six or seven pastors of church planters, and uh, we, we looked at a paper which was entitled Laziness. And for somebody who's shattered, for someone who's uh, working a lot of hours to then be given something that you might, somebody says to you, you might find this helpful, and it's laziness. <laughs> It, it provokes something inside you. Like for me, as soon as I read the title, I thought, "What are you trying to say?" Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but as we read the paper, uh, it, it says a lot about laziness. Isn't so much not doing anything; it's it's neglecting to do the things you should do. And you, and you touched on it there, talking about how if we, if we just focus on doing what we enjoy doing and ignore the stuff that we should be doing. Eventually, as small as it is, eventually over time it's going to pile up. Yeah. And then uh, deadlines are helpful if you make them. But when you've got a lot of things that you need to do and the deadline's looming, it can provoke a massive stress. And yeah, and I think ultimately as well, a lot of the stuff I put off in ministry is the stuff that I find scary as well. You know, it's too big or it's too it's too beyond me. Um, so, you know... Um, I, I don't. I, I, ser, sermons are like I get the get the exegesis done, and 
that sorted. And then it's like, well, actually, now you've got to apply it to your own heart. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, and um, I listen to, I mean, it's hilarious. You got me at the weekend of preaching on prayer. It's like, I'm that kind of person. I listen to seven sermons on prayer and like, you really must pray. And then like, oh yeah, get distracted by 15 other things and realized I've got to the end of the day. I've not, not sat down or gone for a walk or whatever and prayed things through because ultimately, um, I don't want to do that. It's hard. I've got to, I've got to still my brain. I've got to, I've got to take control of, you know, my thoughts and, and think through how I'm praying for people and what I'm praying for people and stuff. And that's hard. That scares me because you know, still in my brain is pretty hard for me. Um, and so we put those things off and we think, oh, I'm about the real work. I'm about getting into people's lives and sharing the gospel and um, discipling people and stuff. And then you realize like, well, that's the Lord's work anyway. So you need to maybe spend a, a little less time preaching the best sermon you've ever you've ever preached in your life and spend more time praying that the Lord would use your bang average one to... to um, to do his work in people's lives. And yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? We then feel guilty that we haven't done all those things and they become even bigger and even scarier because they're, they're uh, you know, we've got a quarter of the time we should have done to, to actually do them. Yeah, and it, it's counterintuitive to start the day in prayer when you've got a list as long as you are that needs completed. So in our, in our natural state, we Think, let's just crack on through the jobs that need to do. But again, I think it's counterintuitive, but it was remarkable at how all these pastors were reformed pastors that we were talking to, all quite different culturally, yet we're all very Catholic in our understanding of, <laughs> yeah. of how to please God. As in, we were praying, doing stuff in our own strength, plus also a lot of our exhaustion was coming about uh, trying to earn God's favour through getting through the to-do list instead of just sitting at his feet at the start of the day yeah. and throughout the day, uh, loving him and being strengthened and, and trusting him to do the job that, you know what I mean, he uses us to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? We try to fix, like, we're constantly swinging so often between kind of this, like, this Catholic legalism of we've got to do all these works to, to please God and then, like, I guess the, the um the the lazy antinomianism of like well I just need me time I need rest I need relaxation I need you know sugar whatever and it's like we try to fix one with the other so when we feel lazy we feel really guilty about lazy so we put in a plan to you know we write our diaries and like we've not got a spare minute for the next seven years because we've got to work hard to work that off kind of thing it's like the opposite of the gospel but then when we do the other thing and we realise we're being completely legalistic and working too hard we go oh well you know, we need to take three weeks off or we need to, you know, do stuff we really enjoy or whatever um, to, to kind of balance that out. And really what we need is that healthy reality of we can work hard because um, Jesus empowers us by his spirit, but then we can rest and leave it because we're not the Messiah, Jesus is. And so, you know, if, I, if my sermon is not like Spurgeon quality, it's never going to be, right? So I can rest because Jesus promised to work through his word. And it's finding that, it's finding, it's not a balance, is it? But it, 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 rather than trying to fix one with the other, it's realising that the, the, the fix for both is just the gospel, just remembering the gospel. Yeah, it's, yeah I get laughed at because whenever 
somebody comes from with a problem, the first question they ask is, are you reading your Bible and praying? And people think that they don't want to hear that because that's too simple an answer. And and obviously for certain issues, we, we have to go a bit deeper than just throwing that at people. But for, for us as pastors, I think we need reminding them of that yeah. on a daily basis, that it is about reading your Bible and praying, because if we aren't doing them fundamentals, <clears throat> everything else we do is just substandard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to like kind of tease out what do you think are some of the reasons why we get into this point, because some people might spend a lot of time with people because they prefer spending time with people and they will justify it by saying, well, God's called me to be uh, an evangelist and, uh, and a pastor and you can't pastor your people from a study. Yet on the other hand, you will get uh, other pastors who uh, would rather spend all day in the study <laughs> and will justify not pastoring people or sharing the gospel by uh, saying, well, God has called me to preach the word and to preach the word well, I've got to understand it and exegete it and spend time in prayer and contemplation and meditation. So, yeah, how do you think, first of all, these excuses uh, come into action and, and, and how seriously do we believe it when we tell ourselves these lies? Yeah, well, I, well far too much, don't we, else we'd, we'd, we wouldn't do it. But I think, there's, I think there's two things. It's like, one, I think it's like um, pendulums swing, don't they? And so, you know, um, we try to correct one error and we go to complete the other error. So like you said, like there's been a, a lot, aren't there, in like last 10 years or whatever, like, oh, we need to be getting out of our studies and not just in our studies, mm. um, you know, because you need to get to people. But then we go, oh, well, we just need to be with people and we never spend any time just like with the Lord by ourselves or, you know, really getting into the word or whatever. and, and you know, or just praying or whatever, and so I think there's that overcorrect. And maybe in maybe in twenty years we'll all be like, "Oh, we need to be back in the study. We're spending far too much time with people. We need to be back in the study." That just happens in everything, doesn't it? Because as soon as you try to swing it, it it's bound to swing uh, the other way. And so I think that's part of it. It's like an overemphasis when you when you want to correct something, you can overemphasize the other. Um, and I think that's that's been true in like books and conferences and stuff I've seen it's like we need to stop being in our study and it's like yeah right great but we need to be in our study as well the other thing I think is is just what we were saying before that um we do what we want we always do what we most want to do and um if I if I'm temperamentally bored by myself which is me um or if I you know actually don't like people and like staying inside like you um then that's what we'll do ultimately you know, we might we if if I if I want to spend my time with people, then I'll go spend my time with people. And if I find it hard in the study, I'll be like, right, I need to get out of there. Um, but if we if we don't, you know, if we struggle with people or can't be bothered with people or whatever, we'll spend time in the study. And ultimately, again, it just comes down to the gospel, doesn't it? We can do things that we don't want to do um, because. The Lord gives us grace to do it, and dependent on Him, we can get out and do that. But it takes work as well. I think is maybe a third thing: is if you don't think about it, if you don't plan, if you're not intentional, you will just do what what you enjoy doing. And I don't know about you, but planning is like 
uh, call it a word in my head. Uh, I hate it. And, and so I just end up doing the stuff I like doing and not doing the stuff I don't do, or I do it kind of half-assed kind of thing because I don't, I don't want to do it. So, and I don't want to think about, oh, I need to plan in this time. Um, yeah. But then we can fall the other way as well. And there's some people who are so planned that, you know, they can't be spontaneous or free up time for people and stuff as well. So I think, I think ultimately it's like avoiding those extremes and just not having a balance, but just, just having that freedom to say, you know, I will do things that I don't like because um, Jesus is enough for me to sacrifice and what a privilege it is that I get to do the stuff that, that, that I like doing as well. And again, I think if you enter ministry as a church planter where you, you kind of hit the ground running, you've got a blank slate, a clean sheet to every day is a different day, you're flying by the seat of your pants and then as time goes on, you have to become more structured and yeah. then eventually the church plant becomes a church and then that is where the problems came for me where I felt resentful that on a Wednesday I could just snip out and go and do some outreach in the local gym or cafe or whatever. All the things that I found myself really enjoying I had to take second place and then I found myself through bad planning not having time to to do the stuff that I felt gifted at or enjoyed, and I was consumed with the practical things, and yeah. I kind of blamed the the church, the lack of finances, or the lack of staff for the reason that I couldn't have time to do the stuff that I enjoyed. But on reflection, it was basically my bad planning and timekeeping that resulted. Because if I had set out at the start of the week all the things that I, I needed to do that I wasn't particularly gifted at. And, and give myself deadlines to have them yeah. finished, then I would have been freed up by the end of the week to, to do the stuff that I, w- I was more gifted at. So the, the problem for me initially started through bad timekeeping and planning, but then it just got worse as I tried to do better time planning. <laughs> and, I, and I'd buy apps like uh, Notion yeah. or uh, like to-do lists, and, 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 I, and I was spending hours and hours procrastinating on these making your life easier apps so what what have you found easiest to get yourself into a structure because i've tried every calendar going every to-do list going and basically all that does is help me procrastinate even designing a front cover for my to-do list well yeah i mean ollie in my attempts of the year i'm I'm hopefully getting into a better system now but um you know it took took a break a (laughs) break that kind of get me there um but yeah, I think I think all it ever did for me before was just build guilt. You know, I'd make a calendar, and I didn't keep to it, so I just felt guilty. So you know, bust it. But because um, I think I think just just before I, you know fully answer that question, I think one of the other things that why we get into this situation can be sometimes the weight of expectation as well yeah. about just on ourselves. You know, we forget that you know there's only one Messiah and it's not us. Yeah. And so we rush around doing stuff because we think we've got to do it. We think we've got to, we've got to get out and share the gospel. We've got to disciple people. We've got to do this, that, and the other. And so we wear ourselves out doing all those things because ultimately we think we've got to do it. Other people think we've got to do it. We think other people have got to think. We think other people think we've got to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like that, that crushing of guilt, which, you know, 
He's like, again, the opposite of the gospel. But I think what I found helpful is just like light planning. So I think it, I think it depends on it depends on each person. Um, but what what I'm trying to do now is again just in even in planning, like avoid these extremes. So I used to do like a, a Google Calendar, and it'd have every second of the day would be like in different colours all done and whatever, and it took like three hours, and oh, wow, that's beautiful, oh, yeah, and then, oh, no resemblance. What you you're a closet geography teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I um, I didn't take geography at GCSE because the teacher told my mum that I, I wasn't good enough at colouring in. <laughs> um, so they, uh, what, what can you say about that? Um, so, uh, yeah, but I but I, and I had like like to doist and all that sort of stuff and all, all these lists and and basically I'd, I'd 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 do it for about three days and then it'd send me a notification three months later like you've got a to do list of five hundred thousand things and you've not looked at it for thirty days and stuff and so what I'm trying to do is like use some of those skills um that or, or use some of those tools but use them in a light way so I do like a Google Calendar now but all that's on it is. Um, the things where I'm at the house and I'm, you know, I'm booked in. So, like, if I'm meeting somebody or if someone's coming for tea or I'm going to the gym with somebody or whatever, those are in. And then everything else is free and I just, you know, I work things out. And then I literally, proper old school, bought myself a little notebook and that goes everywhere with me. And when when someone says, oh, this needs doing, I go, right, write it down. And then, you know, I get to write on a page every day. And then when the, when it gets to the end of the day, um, if it's not ticked off, it goes on the page for the next day. Um, because I think ultimately you've got to find what works for you. And I think, so again, it comes down to expectation. Is um, I read that uh, Tim Challis book, that Do More Better. And it absolutely crushed me because he was like, oh, if you do all this, it'll all be, it'll all be sorted. He didn't quite said that, but that's how I read it. I tried it all, and it made me worse. And so I think it's it's working working out ways that help you with freedom, so that you are kind of um, you do the things that you don't want to do because you know you've got people holding you accountable as well. So people will ask me, "Have you worked through your list?" You know, Donna asked me, "My wife or Kevin, my other elder, or stuff. How, how's your list going? What what you know? Are you keeping stuff and that?" And we're just trying to, I think that's another thing I'm trying to do, just put in place that, that people know kind of what I'm doing. And so they'll hold me accountable to that, um, including, you know, making sure I have time off and rest and you know, have time with Dawn and stuff. Because I think that's one of the things that really suffers as a church planter is like you're so crazy and getting into the community and getting into people's lives and stuff like you forget you're married. Um and especially like in our situation, yours as well. Um, when when your wife's your women's worker as well, it's like sitting in bed at night and you end up having a team meeting, you know, talking about all these people and stuff. And it's like, well, you need to actually be married as well. So that's something we tried to build in the last few weeks. It's like that, you know, we just go out and have a drink by ourselves and don't talk about other people in the church and stuff. And chill out. Um, yeah, it it. About it's about priorities, isn't it? Making sure that the main thing is the main thing. 
Yeah, and that, that's why I think it's helpful to like define your roles. Uh, working out, I, I did a course before where we got you to write down what your role was, including not just as if you were a pastor, but your husband, your father, your son, your neighbour, and how best can you fulfil yeah. your duties by loving God and loving others in, in each of your roles and, and just segmenting that week out of. There was, a, there was a few roles where you can kill two bears with one stone <clears throat> and there was others where you had to uh, specifically draw out time to, to fulfil your duties in that role. So I found that helpful as well, trying not to uh, yeah, yeah, skip any of my responsibilities. But as I've reflected over my time, going from a banter to a pastor, from, from, from then leaving my role as a pastor to, to the role that I'm doing now, as I've reflected on my ministry journey, I've, I've seen that I've wasted probably more time than I've used it profitably. Uh, so I just wonder, Graham, what do you think over the last few years as a church planner has been your biggest waste of time other than planting a church in Clackeen? <laughs> <laughs> Talking to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody watches them anyway. Um, yeah, I don't... I think, I think, I think lots of the work I did at the beginning trying to plan things out. Um, I think for me, it's just that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard question that because, like, I I think it's not the 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 things I've done were a, a waste of time, but I was doing good things instead of the best thing. You see what I mean? And I think. I've just filled my life with getting into people's lives and preaching decent sermons and forgot that like it's the Holy Spirit that does it. And I so I think I think as a church planter, the thing you need most about is prayer. You, know, you need most is 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 prayer and you know, building in prayer time and you know, just for yourself and for others and stuff. And so many of us find prayer difficult, but I think because it's difficult we don't do it and because it don't feel like work because it feels like a waste of time and so um i think the one thing that's not a waste of time is the thing that we we forget yeah. you know or we don't do or we put off because we find it hard or whatever <clears throat> anything yeah yeah in terms of like what 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 um what blocks that out i just think i will use anything to block out stuff i don't want to do and and waste time so, you know, I, I listen to a sermon or I, I basically, I want to go for a walk because I need some air, I need to clear my head or whatever, but I need to use it for ministry time because it's within work hours or whatever. So I listen, listen to a podcast or I listen to a sermon or, or whatever. And I think I'll find anything. I'll go sit in, I'll go sit in the pub because I'm, I'm building relationships then, even though I sit there and read a book and don't talk to anybody. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I will find anything. Um, to do that and I think here's here's a kind of slight tangent I think part of that is because I feel like I've got to justify my existence I think that's a big um a big pressure on pastors generally but I think especially on planters like people are raising this money to pay for you know sacrificially giving from other places to pay for me to do a wage and so I feel like I should be doing 80 hours a week and I should be working and I should be working all the time, rather than just maybe uh, saying, "Well, you know, you've done done loads this week. 
you can just go and sit in the pub and just enjoy reading a book. That's okay. You know, you can spend some time with your wife. You can go and kick a ball about on a field with your son. Um, you know, you don't have to justify yourself to everybody. And, and that's something that's come up a lot recently is um, uh, that people say, oh, you don't, you know, I'm saying, oh, I'm taking a bit of time off. I'm taking Friday afternoon off, you know, blah, 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 because of this. And then I give them 25 reasons why I deserve to take Friday afternoon off. And they go, <laughs> you don't have to justify yourself, you know. It's like, yeah, why don't you work Sundays? Why, why can't you take Friday afternoon off? All right, okay then. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest wastes of time is that I fill my time with pretend ministry stuff so that I don't feel guilty when actually I'd be better spending that time with my family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Some settings I'm not disappearing. I'll be what? <laughs> <laughs> Just putting the power back on. Uh, I haven't paid the electric. <laughs> times with austerity and all that. But yeah, no, it's interesting what you said there, like that, that justification. <clears throat> and I think, just linking it, you said it's, there's a bit of a tangent from prayer, but I think it, it, it's all linked, isn't it? When I, I was reading Psalm 109 the other day, and in verse 4, the psalmist says how he's a praying man. And, mm. and I just felt so convicted that, like, on my headstone, I don't think that will ever be put on unless I make some drastic changes now. Uh, it's something I'd like to be known as. Uh, yeah. In my head, spiritually, I think we should all, we, we all want to be known as praying men and women. But in reality, I think our dependence on God is shown by how little we do pray and how much, going back to that works-based thing, uh, how much is it about God's kingdom versus how much is it do we think we have to earn the right to be pastors and gospel workers? So I think there's a bit of pride and ego but also a bit of insecurity and uh, inadequacy in there. I think there's a constant tension between uh, being proud and arrogant and feeling insecure and worthless. And uh, I think that. But they both come. Sorry, mate. They both come from the same place, don't they? Yeah. They both. They're, they're not. They're not ends of a spectrum. They're just both sides. You know, both sides of the same coin. Yeah. It's like we're proud and arrogant because we think we're too important. Yeah. And we, we're insecure because we think everything depends on us. So it's all about, ultimately, so we make it about ourselves rather than the Lord. So I think, you know, we could, that's, again, it comes back to, don't we? We try to fix one with the other. Oh, I need to be a bit more humble because you're proud and arrogant. Or you just need to be a bit more uh, confident because you're, you know, you're insecure. Well, actually, no, you shouldn't be confident. And, and yeah, you should be humble, but it, it doesn't mean you think you're a loser and insecure because you're loved and accepted in Christ. So it's like, again, the gospel's the, the centre, isn't it? Yes, again, again, you should be reading your Bible and praying. Simple, isn't it? It's, it, it, it's basically every issue we find in pastoral ministry comes down to the fact that do we really believe in what we're preaching and what we're reading? And if so, why aren't we seeking God for those things, for his help and for his strength? Looking back at, at waste of times, I, I think that ego and that insecurity. So when I, I'd look at the church and think we're too small, no wonder people don't want to join us because the website's yeah. rubbish. No wonder uh, people don't want to join us because the building's rubbish, or we don't have our own building, or like I'm rubbish. Or and, and the hours I'd spend trying to uh, 
replicate the website of another church. I'm not a website designer by any stretch of the imagination, but the hours I'd spend to the early hours of the morning uh, trying to have this jazzy website that really no one in our community would ever look at. And if they're going to come to our church, it won't be on the back of the website. It might attract funders or people from outside the area, but ultimately, all you're impressing with a flashy website is other Christians. And I just think about the sermons that I preached and uh, basically I was trying to impress others or, or out of pride and ego or at the same time justify my existence out of insecurity. And, and again, that was because I was putting faith in the things of man, practical things like yeah. websites or mass preaching rather than the word of God itself and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, ultimately this is essentially kind of at heart of one of the things I'm going to say at the, the weekend of sermon is like, it's about, it comes down to what, what do we think our greatest needs are? Mm. So, you know, if you look at our prayers, they're like, oh Lord, we're praying that more workers will join us, that people get saved, that we'd have enough money, that, you know, so-and-so's cancer won't come back. You know, they're all right prayers, aren't they? You know, we're all praying that the sermons might be better. They're all, they're all good prayers. But ultimately, all those things are outworkings of knowing the Lord, being full of his wisdom, being given strength to to live a life worthy of him, to bear fruit in every good work, to uh, persevere and endure by God's grace because of the gospel. And it's like, ultimately, our our prayer should be that we're growing in and knowing the Lord. You know, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me, right? and but we don't think that our biggest need is to know more of the Lord. We don't think our biggest need is to bear fruit in growth with Him. We think our biggest need is to grow in numbers so that we won't feel so inadequate as a pastor. Uh, we think our, our our biggest need is enough finances so we don't have to worry for the next five years. Um, and you know we think a, a rich American backer is 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 what we need because then you know they're rich. It's like, well, no, they don't own the cattle on a thousand hills. The Lord owns that. He's got it. He knows what he's doing. And so we we make ourselves worse in terms of working ourselves to the bone and stuff and wasting our time because we're going, rather than going to the source for the things we need, we're going, trying to get the things we need ourselves through our own work. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we just break ourselves because Ultimately, yeah, we need to pray for those things. We need to do those things, like get out and meet people and share the gospel and stuff. We want to see people saved. But it's not going to happen unless we're praying that the Lord would be transforming our hearts so that we might live that life and share share the gospel and, and be confident in him. Well, that's that's one thing that I, that, that I had some time out before starting this new role and spent some time reflecting on, on past ministry. And I think the biggest waste of time that I had was just wasting time, feeling sorry for myself, envying other church planters and church pastors, and yep. and becoming bitter. Uh, yep. the, the amount of time that I, I wanted these things, and, and to be fair, we want to see, the reason we get into ministry is we want to see souls won for the Lord, and yep. we want to see salvations and baptisms and strong, healthy churches. So they are desirable things. But when you put your hope in those things instead of Jesus and you don't achieve those things if your hope is being your hope is that you remain faithful to jesus yeah. it, regardless of how big your church grows you're happy because you're content in your 
uh, role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you totally. put your contentment and your hope in, 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 in building your own kingdom, when, when you hear of other people having baptisms, people coming to faith, getting the funding, that's when the jealousy and envy comes in and then you become bigger at funders. Why are you funding that church or that pastor in, 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 instead of me? And again, it's down to prayer and the word of God. And for me, I think the biggest rebuke and encouragement came from reading the book of Ezra. And initially I was looking at how God's people had their expectations dashed when they realised that the temple that they were building weren't as good as the previous temple. Yeah. A lot, a lot of them cried out. Some were happy who didn't know much about this, but the, the older guys were going into thinking, this is nothing compared to what I was expecting. But when you go to the first two verses of Ezra, and we hear that God uh, uses an unbeliever to, to, to build the temple, yeah. that, that humbled me, realising that, do you know what, I don't even need to be here. God can use unbelievers. I'm privileged to be in this position. But also that, he moved the heart of King Cyrus to, to further his kingdom. And, and that for me was the realisation that if I'm here, it's because God moved me to my particular ministry. So I shouldn't be jealous that, that nobody else is coming or that I haven't got what other people have got. But also those that are being funded are being funded by people that God has moved their hearts to fund. So the only person I should be angry with is, is God. And I have no right to be angry with God. <laughs> Because he's given us everything we need, right? And he and he yeah. promised us to give us everything. I mean, yeah, we preached to Israel last year, it's, and it's just awesome that, like, verse 5 of chapter 1 is, or wherever, I think it's verse 5, it's like, not only did he move Cyrus's heart to send the people back, but the people who went back were the people whose heart God had moved to send. Mm -hmm. So we, rather than going, oh, and other churches aren't sending us any people, or other people aren't coming, it's disgraceful and whatever, we're like, praise God that he's moved our hearts. Mm -hmm. Let's thank him for what he's given. And let's pray that he'd move more hearts. Mm. You know, we, we have a couple in our church, and um, back in the pandemic, um, I kind of threw somebody else, kind of mentioned, oh, they might want to, you know, why don't you come to us? And they were like, oh, nah, no, no way, no way. And I thought, I thought no more of it, and I just prayed for maybe six months a year. Like, not, not totally, you know, not every 10 seconds, you know, maybe once a week or something, I'll pray for this couple. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, uh, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And then um, he rang me up and he says, uh, oh, yeah, um, my missus said to me the other week, I'm going to say something now to you and you're going to freak out, but I think we should move to Spain. And and he said, oh, wow, the Lord's been made doing that in my heart as well. I think we should move to Spain. <laughs> and it's like they've been with us for 18 months now. Mm. And it, it's like that that wasn't me. I didn't do it. Mm. You know, the person who I spoke to them through in the first place didn't do it. It was just the Lord moving hearts, and and ultimately, um, yeah, we we can run around trying to find funders. We can run around trying to preach awesome sermons on the that go on the internet, and then we think, oh, people are listening to our sermons and want to come and listen to us, and people in the church will grow because I've preached an awesome sermon and whatever. But ultimately, the reason we get burnt out in ministry is because we don't believe the Lord's got it, because we believe it comes down to us. And how, and how convicting is that to look back? It's convicting and, and, and encouraging at the same time to look back and think that because we haven't trusted in the Lord, because we're not spending time praying, that everything we've done has been pointless. <laughs> but even in that, God has been gracious and still used yeah. us. Uh, even though we have doubted the power of God, God has still been powerful and used idiots and, yeah. uh, and, and men who 
uh, uh, preaching stuff that they don't even apply to their own heart. And yeah, so I think that was the convicting for me with with, with being Ezra when uh, I thought I'm gonna have to start praying for people's hearts to be changed. And then God was like, "Show me that, yeah." Start with your own first. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for your own heart. Ask me to move your heart. And and again, that's I think that's my biggest prayer at the moment. Asking God to, to make my heart more like His, to to, to to desire Him above all things, to to realize that we are working for His kingdom, not for our ministry. And I think that was a big thing as well. Uh, put my effort into my ministry rather yeah. than in seeking God how He wants me to work for His kingdom. But I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Con- contentment as well. You know, contentment with um, the Lord knows what he's doing. Right? We we look at, you know, I look around our church and think, right, we ain't got enough money, we ain't got enough people. We ain't got this, we ain't got that. You know, barely made a scratch in the town. Um, all relative, right? And, you know, I'm a Yorkshireman, so my my cup in half empty, someone's nicked my entire pint and I want to smack him in the face. Um, so, so I always do look at, on that you know, the, the, I guess, pessimism side or whatever. Um, but even if all that were true, even if, 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 you know, we were a complete disaster, the Lord knows what he's doing. He's called us here. He's, he's, he's given us everything we need. You know, I love that Hudson Taylor quote. You know, what is it? What is it? God's work done in God's way will never let God's resources. He's too wise a God to frustrate his plans through a lack of finances or something like that, and he could save people and all that sort of stuff. He's like, he will give us the right people at exactly the right time. Um, it's just I don't believe that. Um, and that's 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 the issue. And, and, and none of us believe that, really. At times, we're, we're like, oh, we need this, we need this. And, and you know, <laughs> I just imagine, I kind of reverently imagine the Lord sitting there going, all right, we'll see. Yeah, no, you don't. You'll get it when you need it. Um, yeah. And yeah, so you'll get it when you need it when you've left, and then <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. You know, because I think, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the thing, right? Is is again, it comes down to not believing it because I've preached like I've said several times. I said it at the first ever thing we did in Labour. Um, you know, imagine if nobody else got saved in Clare, right, while we're alive, and then you know you sat in heaven and. And like somebody walks past and we've got a Yorkshire accent and oh yeah, I'm from Clek and I got saved two hundred years because that church you planted, blah 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 blah. Amazing how the Lord's done. I said I I won't be bothered about the seventy years of slogan away, then I'll be praising God that He's used us down the line. And I've said that loads of times to our folks. I don't believe it. I, you know, I'm like Yeah, it sounds good. A billion years in the future. I don't care about that. I want I want you know, I want people to be saved now. Which is good heart, right? And and I think this is part of the issue with all of this, is like the things the things we the things we're praying for, the things we're, when we are praying, the things we we're working towards, the heart that we've got in in, in so many things is for good things, isn't it? You know, we want people to be saved, we want people to grow. It's just because of our sinful hearts, our motives get mixed up, and the way we go about it gets mixed up. So. You know, we do want people to grow and to change, but a lot of the reason we want them to grow and to change is so that our lives as pastors will be easier because they won't be so awkward, right? Um, a lot of the people, a lot of the reason we want people to be saved is so it doesn't look so empty on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, and we're just not content with what the Lord's given us. And so I think ultimately, what 
what kind of thinking through all this over the last few weeks has, has done for me is I just need to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I've, I've made it about me and relied on myself too much and I've, you know, not trusted you. I've not believed your gospel. Forgive me. Give me grace to go strengthen me to persevere. Help me believe the gospel. Um, and I think <laughs> I'm doing that now and I should be doing it every single second of every day, really. And, and, and again, I think <clears throat> it's a good place to end. It took us 40 minutes to come up with a conclusion that if you're lazy, ironically, what you need to do is rest. Uh, yeah. Rest on the feet of Jesus. Uh, spend time in prayer and trusting in his word. So what I'll do is I'll just say, just like <laughs> if you push for time, just go to 40 minutes and 40 seconds and you'll get, <laughs> get the, If you're lazy, you can't be bothered listening to this podcast. It's a good tweet, that, mate. Put it on a tweet. <laughs> oh, Graham, it's been class talk to you again, brother. Uh, Cheers, bro. To the weekender. Uh, fortunately for us, it's sold out, unfortunately. Uh, for you, if you want a ticket, there's no more tickets for the weekender, but we are hoping to do uh, a Medhurst Ministries uh, weekender across the country. We're going to try and get a couple in next year, so uh, keep your eyes and ears open for that. But other than that, uh, I'll say cheers, Graham, and thanks for joining us on the In Context podcast. Mm-hmm.